You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Liberty Podcast. This is episode number 286 of East Andrea's Favorite Podcast. Jeremiah Morrill here. I'm joined by executive video audio producer, engineer, Zach Burcham, and my forever co-host, Mr. Dakota Davis. What do we have planned tonight? Today's episode features Mr. Jeff Watterson. He is back in the building since his uh, since episode number 236. And he's going to be talking to us about another race that he just ran this January called the Bandera 100K. And uh, it's a doozy. I'm really looking forward to this uh, uh, episode just uh, to hear everything he has to say. Um, we're going to be going through everything. How, like, what, uh, what, what inspires a person to run 100 kilometers um, and the challenges that come along with it. So make sure you listen all the way to the very end of this one. It's going to be packed full of good information. Normally when we talk about somebody running a race, it's politics, not, uh, not, not this, uh, this running, running thing that you've had us on lately. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh, but hopefully you'll always learn something new. Um, the last time Jeff was here, he got us hooked up with the Caterpie shoelaces. Are you still are you still in the game with those guys? I am not quite. I still I ran in Caterpies this, this yeah. race. Um, it's not an ambassador right now. I didn't reapply. So. Okay, I got an email today with them trying to ask me to be an ambassador. Well, you should go. I, and I was like, my God, they must think I run. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a lifestyle shoestring too. Yeah, so, I've been wearing them. I expect I'm wearing them tonight. Yeah, so I, I, I like them. I haven't put them on my new running shoes yet, but I ever since you were on last time, I've they've been on my lifting shoes. Um, they're I love them, uh, especially on those shoes because it's so easy to just take right. on and, and it, off and on. It's yeah. so simple. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're still still liking them because I've got them on two two sets now. They said after you were here, where they hooked us up with a few, and it's been uh, it's been spectacular. All right, so we just did 20 minutes or so on Patreon. Uh, we told stories about. Uh, Vloggers coming to Indianapolis and risking their lives. We talked about the future and what people might want to see. And we sampled yet again more food. 
That's right. Patreon.com slash boss hog of liberty. That is where you can go to support the show on a monthly monetary basis every month. Um, that is, uh, where you can get all of our bonus content. We used to do a lot of trying food on this show and we used to do a lot of talking about the things that we did over the week and just a re- more relaxing atmosphere for the guests. All of that is now in the Patreon portion. Um, if I was going to say, we still do that every if week. If you liked that content, then go to patreon.com slash boss hog of liberty. That's where you can find it. You can also get show notes before the show starts and you can follow along in real time. Any links that we use for information that's in the show notes. Uh, you also get some some free goodies every once in a while. Over Christmas, we sent out free Boss Hog of Liberty t-shirts to every single one of our Patreon members. And that was for folks that are $5 contributors and folks that are $50 contributors. And if you donate at $50 or more a month, then you get a shout out at the front of every episode. And those folks are Mr. Jonathan Phillips, who I'm sure could use your donations for his city council campaign. And then Mr. Anthony Meyer, who is trucking goods across the entire continental United States. And then, of course, Miss Christy Avery, our favorite Norwex dealer. Now, Christy it has an excused absence tonight because she's supporting live comedy up in Fort mm. Wayne tonight. So she's catching us on the replay. Right. Or she's being very disrespectful at the, at the <laughs> comedy show. And she's watching us on her tablet with an earpod in. Maybe we're better. Who's the comedian? Uh, it was not somebody that I recognized. Mm. It was. I'm sure they're great, eh, but, they, but they've better. not. They've not made it big just yet. Did you notice that John's been uh, been dressing nicer now? He's dressing like a city councilman. He's dressing like the guy he wants to be. Hey, dress for the job you want. He was. Uh, he. Was, I don't know if he got a permit to stand out there in the middle of Trojan Lane, but he took. A, he took a picture today. Every time I've seen it. John, you know, he's a car dealer yeah. manager, so he's always. I mean, he was wearing sharp dressed man. He's wearing a blazer. Yeah, fancy. Yeah. Zach, do the have you seen any county county council people show up to meetings in blazers? Ooh, no. You go to every usually. one of these C- city council. Yeah, sometimes. What is the what does a city council person wear? Do they wear t shirts? It kind of depends. Have you seen them wear t shirts? They collared yeah. shirts. It just I've, whatever. I've seen yeah all over the place. Have you ever seen a county council person show up without sleeves? No, that would be great. Mike Guffey, listen to me. <laughs> yeah, Mike, I was trying, Mike, you're my guy. I, 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 I think, was trying to think of like who would. Yeah, maybe Mike. Mike does. Mike. Mike is. Yeah, I could see Mike doing that. Mike, you better do it, it before for the most Aaron part, does. I think just it, to prove a point. it depends on where they're coming from. Because like once in a while, uh, like Dickon will be in a t-shirt and jeans, but then a lot of times Dickon's still in clothes from work because I think he came from work. And probably the most casual at times is probably Jerry Walden because he'll he's retired, so he'll show up in a hoodie. But like Lynn produced in a blazer sometimes, or at least a jacket. So yeah, Jeff, if you were a county councilman or a city councilman, how are you dressing? Not wearing a blazer. All right. Yeah, I mean, you're just gonna collared be shirt. I think would be you know, yeah. Collared shirt. Mike Guffey's watching. He says what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, Mike, I'm just saying. I I think we could speak it into existence, and I don't want you to explain it to anybody. Just, but the fans will know that when you show up. Sleeveless at, at uh, Monday's council meeting, they'll know it came from Boss Hog. Yeah, it's not That'd like be. you're going to get challenged, right? I mean, it's a it, you're not going to get a primary challenger. Probably not going to get somebody in the fall. Let's just let's just show some independence. Your independent streak, Mike. Let's have some. Let's have some fun with it. Man of the people. What about a cutoff hoodie from like 1988? Oh, a Belichick hoodie. Yeah, like a crop top oh, hoodie oh, with Bel- the sleeves cut off. Oh man, I think Mark Coger could do that. 
Oh yeah, Mark's our guy for that. <laughs> Mark, for Mark sure. could wear that. I think that's his. That's his era. I actually have one. Mark, pro- Mark had to be in high school. <laughs> Mark had to be in high school in the eighties. I think that's his. That's his genre. I made a so I I got a free hoodie from Anytime Fitness and I got it and it was way too small. So I was like, I'll make a like old school training hoodie, you know, for like, um, like when uh, Ronnie Coleman won the Olympia, that's what he would have worn, like that era, early nineties. Sean Astin and Fifty First Dates and uh, yeah. Yes. And so I made it and then I put it on and I was like, this is awful. So you, I can't I'm not wearing this so ever. My memory of 50 first dates isn't great. So you bring up. <laughs> oh, 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 that is well played. Very good. But Sean Astin's, wasn't he most in that? Was he in like a mesh? Was he in a mesh yeah, tank top? Like a, yeah, yeah, I was going to say yeah. he's in like a mesh tank top, which yeah. I'm not even sure when, like how much cocaine had to be done for society to say this is cool. Just to wear a see-through mesh shirt anywhere. I'm pretty sure it was the uh, just in, in Miami, yeah. in South Florida. Yeah. If you went to the U, that was the play, that was the thing. All right, Zach or Dakota, get us back on track. What are we doing? All right, I'm sorry. That was a fun sidetrack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff, um, so you were last on on episode number 236. I looked back on that those episode show notes today and they were quite embarrassing. Just I, over a year ago. I didn't know any over. I didn't know anything about you whenever I made those show notes. Right. So I was like, have you ever ran a marathon? That was like that was one, one of the, the questions nice. in the show notes. And then I asked, Do you jog the whole distance? Another red flag. Another yes. Uh yeah. So they were really bad. Um these ones are put together much better, and you can see them at patreon.com slash boss hog of liberty. But why don't you go ahead and give our listeners a little bit of a background about yourself before we before, get into the race. Before we let him do that, I have to brag on Dakota today because I woke up to him telling us that he ran his first 5K this morning. I, I woke up to Dakota telling us. That yeah. Mm. Congratulations. Well, you beat everybody out of bed. That's the important thing. I usually do. <laughs> It's the only time I get it done. It's the only thing he can win. All right, Jeff. Now that now that we've bragged on Dakota and he's under he understands your toil because he's now run a five k. Yes. Tell us. It's yeah. basically the same. It's the same thing. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Tell us. Tell us what we need to know. Uh, so basically, my running career. I started eleven years ago. Uh, is that, that's right. Is that right, Zach? Eleven years ago. Does that sound about right? Sound about right. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, my first five k was with Zach. Ran it down in Madison, Indiana, Riverfest. Decided, I decided I wanted to run, so I started running. You know, kind of that, you know, whatever. Forrest Gump? Yeah, Forrest Gump. That's what I was trying to say, yeah. So, yeah, I decided I wanted to run, so ran a 5K. Um, then a friend of mine was running for, training for a marathon. Uh, went and watched her finish, and I decided, hey, I want I wanted to try to run longer distances. So, after about five or six years of running marathons, mostly road, some trail, I switched over into the ultra world. Um, 2017. What What is the dividing line into ultra? As in, like you've lost your mind and now you're in ultra. Twenty six point three. Yeah, twenty six point three. Really, they, they over say a marathon. Anything over a marathon, fifty k is really the start of it. You know, I mean, don't don't most how people. Many, how many miles? Which is thirty one. Thirty one. Yep. Yep. Thirty one miles. So that, that's normally the start of ultra trail running. Is is a fifty k. Okay, so that that's kind of where it's and it's, Our general, most, it's trails, not roads. Yeah, you can do both. I mean, there there's not as many. Um, I it's not as many long distance road races like that that are ultra marathons. There are several though. So I, I read about an insane fifty k that is just in an indoor track. 
Yeah, I couldn't so you're doing that's 200, 200 meters. Right. You're doing just constant circles yeah. around an indoor track until you finish. I mean, that is an ultimate test. Well, and so like with. Grimes, like, you know, Grimes runs 100-mile races um, on tracks 400 meters at a time. Who is this? Uh, Ron Co- Grimes. Ron Grimes. Uh, what was he? What is he? Is this a local? Yeah, he, he was a teacher, too. He was a science teacher, and he's just kind of like... Um, Kind of a, a running guru. I don't know. He's he's coaches. Uh, he's coached like track and cross country and stuff. But he's just like, um, a, he's a bit of a running institution in Newcastle. Yeah, in in Newcastle, I mean, you you know who Ron. Gray. If you're out in the morning, early in the morning before the sun comes up in Newcastle, you'll see somewhere between two and four to five guys. Now they kind of walk more than they run um, around Newcastle, and Ron is one of them. At all, he's one of the core groups guys that's always out running around. I mean, we were marking um, the cross-country course this summer, this fall at Memorial Park, and Ron was with me, and he had done 10 or 12 miles that morning. I mean, he's late 70s. I mean, he and he's that's what he did was he would run 100-mile races around track, I mean, which is a totally different setup than running trails like mm. you know, what I do. Um, n- not something I would want to do at all. I mean, I wouldn't want 400 meters for 100 miles. Pull your mic in a little closer to you or dip it down, one or the other, and you'll, you'll, you'll be – uh, I don't know. All right, we'll, maybe we'll it's see. he's got you very sensitive over there. I don't know. It's it is what it is. All right, um, I'm just causing difficulty for Zach. Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. So you started into the ultra world in 2017. Was your first ultra a trail? Yes, it was. Um, so I ran. Um, I kind of decided, hey, if I can run a trail marathon, then I will sign up for this 50 mile race. <clears throat> so. Um, so I did January, I guess it was maybe 17, did my first trail marathon. Um, yeah, 17. First trail marathon, which took me like five hours and something. It was mud. It was ridiculous. Uh, it was over in Eagle Creek. Um, okay. So I did that and then signed up for my first 50 mile. Three weeks before my first 50 mile race, I sprained my ankle at Westwood. Mm. Like completely just blew it out. Like it was... My wife made me go get x-rays. She's a physical therapist. She made me go yeah. get x-rays to make sure that it wasn't broken. Like, I wanted to I wanted to race the 50-mile. And she's like, no, you, you cannot do that. <laughs> he ran after that. Yeah, I did. I ran four miles. So I, I did on Sunday. I sprained my ankle. Me and him and Casey ran four miles the next Saturday. And I hobbled along. And I showed him a picture of it after we got done running. And he's like, I wouldn't have let you run. I wouldn't have let you run had I known your ankle looked like that before the, before the run. Thanks. So I, I foregoed that the that first race in March. I went down and <clears throat> volunteered. I already had a hotel. I already had the time off. I went down and volunteered for that race. And that was huge for me to go down there and volunteer and work an aid station. To get the just the exposure for what the event is and, yeah. and to get an idea of what, you, what the culture looked like. Yeah, and the culture was just so welcoming. Like we, we got there on Friday night to volunteer and didn't know – I didn't know anybody. I mean, I talked to the race director, um, and that's it. And he's like – I talked to him when I signed up and so we got down there and just met all of these people and they were just so welcoming. They were like, you know, Hey, you know, what's your background, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I was supposed to sign up for this. I was signed up to do the 50 mile race, sprained my ankle. You know, my ankle was this big around still. So we actually worked, um, me and my wife worked check in that night and then went to the first aid station. So that was a four loop race. So we, we were at the aid station, um, at the loop. Okay. They had they came by that. You, they came up, got to that, went on the trail, came back, and every time. So then, when they got done, they had like a two mile stretch. They had to finish to the end. So 
um, just seeing the different seeing the different people come in and you know people who are like I don't want to go on or whatever you know you can stop there was varying distances but to see the people and the camaraderie and how everybody was just everybody there was a help to help everybody you know and you got to the point where you know since I was at that first aid station, people would come to me immediately. Hey, I need this water filled. And you kind of got to, you know, kind of got to know the, the, the people out there running. Hey, I need this water filled with, with tailwind. I need this one filled with water. You know, what snacks do I need and stuff like that. So it was a cool experience. I don't know that if I would have, if I wouldn't have volunteered, if I would have actually got as deep into ultra running as I did. Gotcha. Um, Cause the, the, the atmosphere is just so different. I mean, it, it's so, it's such a core group of people. So you, I was trying to do the math. Um, it, you first started into the ultra world after five years mm-hmm. after your first 5K. Yes, yes, yeah. Because I didn't run in high school, didn't run. I mean, I was... So what was it that, why did you decide to start at um, all? So actually, uh, Devin Bell, I don't know if Devin Bell, her husband, Chad, I worked with Chad. We would go down um, to the river at Mike Worlds' house and Devin was training for her first marathon. And so she'd get up Saturday, Sunday mornings and she would run while we were down there on you know weekends. So I said, Hey, I'm going to run with you next, the next morning. So I ran with her the next morning thinking, you know, I was mid thirties. I can run with her. It's no big deal. Well, she, I, mean, I, I wanted to die after like two miles. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. She's like, well, we got still got a mile to go. So then that was Memorial Day weekend. The following July 4th, we went down to the river. I said, you know, this I, is your 5k. Oh yeah. So, well, so I was like, it was the, it wasn't quite the 5k yet, but I was like, you know, I'd been on the treadmill. I can keep up with it. Yeah. No, I still couldn't keep up with it. I mean, even after trying after a month of, of keeping up, so I couldn't. So then I told her, I was like, Hey, we're going to do a 5k at Riverfest. So that was in August. So another month went by. I trained a little harder. <clears throat> I remember at one point we were at mile two and a half and uh, she said, okay, we're going to push all the way to the end. And I was like, I'm, I'm pushing. I don't, I, this is, this is, this, this is, has been top this, gear. I, well, yeah, I don't, I did, there's not another gear. And so, so, you know, I finished that race and kind of got hooked. I really liked it. Um, did the black cat here local. And like I said, Zach was down at the river fest, did the black cat local, um, with my brother, went and watched Devin finish her marathon. And at that point, you know, I'd only been running a couple of months and I saw all these people come through. And the cool part about it was we got there with about three hours and 30 minutes on the clock. So we saw this guy come in and he's just flying, just happy as can be at three thirty, and just blow through the finish line. Twenty yards behind him is a guy that's you know dragging, just barely coming across. And I watched that from three thirty till we left at like five hours and thirty minutes, and it was just a continual cycle of you know highs and lows. And I thought, man, I want to be a part of this, you know, this long distance running part, not just five Ks. I want to be a part of the long right. distance part of it, just because there's so many. I mean, there's just so many variations and everybody's cheering and it's so it's, you know, it's just exciting. So I did that, you know, just road marathons and stuff like that, some trail races. And then in 2017, after five years of running, I got into the ultra world. So is this a product of, and uh, this is in the motorsports world, Zach and I, we, we see this based on the geography of where you're at and where you grow up as to what you have access to. You have Westwood here, right? Which is a pretty significant, trail system it to is. be able to nine run mile around this lake. Yeah. Nine mile. Yeah. I get right at between eight, seven, five and nine, nine and a quarter every time. So is, is having a place like Westwood, the reason why you're able to train to do the ultras 
It, it is. It's, it's, it is nice because, um, you know, if I didn't have those trails, I mean, I, summit, summit trail system's not that great. Um, if I didn't have those trails, I probably wouldn't be able to train as well for the, for the trail, for the trail ultras. Um, I would have to do a lot more traveling. I mean, you'd go down to Southern Indiana <clears throat> and do that, but being so close, it has helped me tremendously because I spend most of my weekends out at Westwood. Um, so, you know, for me, Westwood is huge. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's local, it works. You know, maybe if I didn't have that, I wouldn't run so many trail marathons, you know, trail races, I would do more running road stuff. Um, so it, it is kind of a product of, you know, where we're at. So when you were, you were with us last year, you had just been in Wisconsin. Correct. And did an 80 mile one where you're damn near doing the Iditarod as an individual. Correct. In the snow. Right. Uh, and you, you did well in that race. Mm-hmm. So set the stage. You instead of being in the Arctic cold, you went the complete opposite for this hundred miler. Right. Where was it? What was the race? So it was first. It was a hundred k. I don't want to hundred 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 k. Don't want to confuse anybody. Sixty three miles. They're both impossible. Yeah. yeah. So on that race, um, and I can maybe show later. There's this buckle um, for ultra marathons. You get a buckle as as a lot of your um, instead of getting a medal or whatever, you get a buckle. When I first started in 2017, looking at races, man, one of the, some of the first races I looked at, like it was that buckle. I mean, like it's a rattlesnake. I mean, it's pretty cool. And in 2017, I was like, okay, I want that buckle at some point. You know, once I get into this, I want that buckle. Life happens. I never got a chance to go down to Texas in January. You know, it's hard to go the second. Right after Christmas. Right after Christmas. It's hard to go down there. I mean, I had to take my kids out of school to make this trip. So there was provisions for that. Um, so this summer I had a chance to uh, go pace Amy from Caterpie. Um, I became friends with her. Um, I had a chance to go pace her at Bighorn Mountain Race. She was doing a, she was actually doing a hundred mile race. So I went and was crew and pace. So in those longer races, you can have somebody come and um, run with you, you know, run run beside you to make sure a make sure you're safe, b keep you on pace so that you're not slacking off so bad, and and encourage you. You know. You, you're the last 80 mile, you're the last 20 miles of this hundred mile race and you're, you're beat, you know? So I had the chance to go down with her and um, help her with that. Her good friend has ran Bandera the last three years. So while we were out on course, I was like, man, I've always wanted to do Bandera. She's like, well, Robert does Bandera. She's like, well, let's do Bandera. So that kind of sparked the, Hey, let's do it. Well, then when we got back, we talked about it more. Her friend, Robert was going to do it for sure. She talked to some other people we kind of got the logistics going that we can make this happen. You know, I had to make sure a, I could get my kids out of school. Um, we had decided to have a foreign exchange student. So we have a foreign exchange student right now. So we had to get her out of school, trying to work out all the logistics of that. Um, but it, it worked out to where I could go and kind of get this dream of having this buckle. You know, I don't want to you know sound vain that I'm just chasing this one buckle, but I mean, it was, it was a goal of mine, you know. Well, when we were texting, and I was like, "Bring the buckle with you." That thing looked really cool, and you said it's the whole reason I went. It is. I mean, it was literally the whole reason. <laughs> I mean, that was it. I mean, I hate to be because I've had several people ask me since then, you know, why why Bandera? I was like, honestly, I want the buckle. It's got, <laughs> it's got a rattlesnake on it, and it it's is really, really cool. cool. That's why I wanted you to bring it. Yeah, it's I like, like belt buckles. Too. Yeah, um, it's it's really neat. I'm, I was really excited about it. Um, so it is in uh, just outside of San Antonio, Texas. This. This it's Hill Country State Natural Area, right? right. Uh, in, in it's in, in Bandera, Texas, so and, is, is yep, the town just, it's named after. Yeah, yeah, like ten minutes. I mean, like it's ten minutes from the town of Bandera. 
it's a it's a it's a different area. It's it's not what I expected from Texas. I'm not big on knowing what Texas should look like. You know, I'm normally I mainly been in the northern part. It is definitely a hilly area. I mean, it is definitely uh, not quite mountainous, but I think we are at 1,800 feet elevation at one point. Um, oh wow! For those that are yeah. listening, we're you're a thousand to eleven hundred feet. Yeah. in Henry County. Yeah, yeah, so it's you know it's it's it's. Uh, not smoky mountains, you know, but it is definitely, there is definitely some hills, you know, there is definitely hill country is not what I expected in Texas. Um, it's not tumbleweed so, in West right, Texas. Right. No, it's, it's not, it's not the tumbleweed of West Texas. But all of your training for the race happened in winter in Henry County, Indiana. Right. And then you went to just outside of San Antonio, Texas. Right. And Central in, in Texas. And the, and, I wasn't quite smart about that. Um, that's it, it was a lot hotter than I expected. Watching the weather, I thought that it was going to be maybe mid-60s. Um, so that kind of bit me in the butt for this race. You know, I trained everything in the winter, and I thought I'd be fine. You know, I, it's like it's, I didn't expect it to be as bad as what it was. So that's where things kind of went crazy during the race. Um, do, you, do you generally, like, I know there's – People seem to be divided on this whenever they're talking about running outside. Some people like have an easier time breathing in the cold weather, and some people much prefer warm, dry weather. So I can't – that was one of the biggest issues with this race is I struggle in hot, humid weather. So me and Zach did a road marathon in Columbus, Indiana, what, 2013, I think. I think it was 2013. Yeah. It was one of the worst mar- road marathons. I've, it was my second one. It was hot and humid that day. Yeah, I think he told us. Yeah, he's probably told you about it because it's just the absolute worst race. I mean, like he wanted to run into an airplane on the strip. I mean, it <laughs> yeah. was. I went to, to Indiana Jones myself. Yeah. So bad. So for me, running in the humidity is absolutely horrible. And that's what happened when I got down there. I didn't expect it to be as humid as it was. And it's out of season for you. Yeah, and it's yeah, not, it's, you're not running in July and September, right. or July, August, September here. You've been in. Oh, right. we've had some unique humidity here lately, well, and we have, but, but it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. You know, it's been 30 degrees. You know, so it was different. You know, and maybe in August or September it wouldn't affect me as much. But I got down there um, Saturday race start, and it was starting to sprinkle. It was like a heavy fog. You know. Um, so it was starting to rain. It rained on us for most, from like the first four miles it rained on us. Well, then once that rain stopped, I got to the second aid station and I looked at my wife and I said, I can't breathe, you know? And she said, it's humid. I mean, she knew exactly, exactly what was going on. It's humid. So after that second aid station, which is about mile, mile 10, I think, mile nine, things started, like the wheels started coming off. And when the wheels start coming off at like mile nine of uh 63 mile race. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not a good horrible feeling. Yeah. That is a horrible feeling. So, um, we hit that second, I hit that second aid station and, um, just continued on. I mean, and then, so the sun then came out, the heat came out, it started getting mm. hot. It's and still more humid. Yeah. And more humid. And it just, it, it just obliterated me. So, you know, and, and that doesn't take an effect that do you, do you look at yourself like a battery? Like you've got only so much and you're just, you think I can't get the 63 miles or how do you, how do you, when you know you have a problem and you're 10 miles in, how do you mentally so you, you sort that at that point? You, you don't, for me, it's not a matter of quitting. 
I mean, I, I know, I knew that it was going to have to be like. You're getting the freaking belt buckle. I'm, I'm getting the belt buckle. I mean, I literally have taken my kids out of three days of school. I've traveled 20 hour drive to get down there. I've put, you know, my family through all of this. I'm coming home with a belt buckle. Now what happens is my goal times start going whack, you know. It I've, becomes complete. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, instead of my plan was under 13 hours is, is what I was really, I really thought, um, the other guy that was doing the hundred K with me, um, he, you know, kind of followed my training a little bit. He was, you know, he thought that under 13 was a good goal. Even if I went, you know, under 13 and a half, you know, somewhere in there, this race isn't entirely in daylight then, is it? No. So at that point, you know, we started at seven thirty. It's January. Yeah. It's January. So at five, it was quarter six or so when it started getting dark. Um, so, and that was on my second lap. So this is a two, it's a 50 K loop. You do it twice. Mm. Um, so I know all these things that I'm doing, I got to come back and do again. Um, so at that point, like, you, yeah, but you know, if you drop something, you got a chance yeah, to you pick it come, up. You can come back and get it in about five hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's funny. Cause that was at every aid station. They're like, we'll see you in about five hours. You know, that's what, as soon as you <laughs> left, we'll see you in about five hours. Um, and they act like that helps. Yeah. They, yeah. They act like that helps. At that point, all. at that point I'm dying. So I'm like, it's going to be like 12 hours. I know. it's wow, So you, you were hoping, what was your finish time? 1645. Wow. So, you know, almost four hours after what, and really, I mean, so 13, sub 13 was my main goal. I really, really wanted to be closer to 12. And I really thought I could be, you know, I really thought I can get there. You know, I may not be able to go under 12, but I can get close. But it's still, the cutoff time is like 25. Yeah, it was some ridiculous, like I think it, um, at one of the aid stations, I was struggling the second loop and my daughter my daughter said, so me and mom have been figuring out you could sit here for eight hours and still make it to the cutoff. So, you know, it's like, okay, good. I, I got plenty of time, but I still, you know, you got goals. There's you, a mental game in your head. There is. Yeah. There is, you know, I'm, I'm going for 13. And then, and then there's the fact that, so as a, as a father, as a husband, you know, you have your family out here in the hill country that has zero cell reception. I mean, zero cell reception. So you have three teenage daughters in a truck following you around one of which is an exchange student with zero cell reception. So they can't get on TikTok and Facebook <laughs> and Instagram and all the other stuff that they're on and talk to their millions of friends because they're chasing you around aid stations in the middle of hill country of Texas. So now right. it's like, you know, I, I'm starting to feel bad as a father that, you know, I've got them trapped out here and, um, so there was a lot of that mental game going on as I'm trying to. So that's what you're thinking about. Is yeah. You're worried that they didn't download enough stuff on. Spotify. Right. Exactly. Do they have enough? Do they have enough to get done? You know, well, it's a, I, I know the feeling that you're talking about, because anytime that uh, I, for the past four years that I've been, my goal has always been to work out six days a week. And there's a lot of times where it's like, I might sleep in on a Saturday. Right. And then that means that I'm going to be at the gym during breakfast on Saturday, right? Which should be my stay-at-home Where I mom be, right? wife's day off, mm-hmm. the start of her day off, and all of a sudden it's not. And some I'll be in there in the gym working towards my goals and being like, "This is incredibly selfish right now." And so and then it's, it's hard. Like, Zach, do you find yourself being selfish when you go out and run away from your children? Uh, no, <laughs> I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Like, 
and I'm, I'm, my wife's watching too. I'm like, I do most of my running when like people are in bed. So that's so what I, I try to I do too. I don't feel super bad. Like, like once in a while. So like last, I was off last week. So by way till after the kids were dropped were at school because my wife couldn't get into school last week. So like, I mean, there's times it, it flexes around. There's times I get tired of getting up in the morning, but Jeff's been along with me. Jeff and I have run 20 miles before 8 a.m. Yep. on a Saturday. Yep. And so when that happens, then if I have to take a day here or there and I run during the day, I, I'm kind of like, okay, this is my, like I, so I do enough. I really do my best to minimize the impact of that on, on my family. So no, so I don't, if I need to, I don't feel too guilty about it. But the point of all that is to say to run 17 hours, I can, I can, can't even imagine the guilt you were feeling. Right. I mean, cause I'm even almost four hours. Yeah. Even though like, you know, they're, they're in 100% support of you. Right. They are. They are. They don't want you to feel guilty. No, they don't, but it's hard because you're like, and so at one point, so we had, you kind of backtrack a little bit. There was six of us total that went down to run. So me and Robert, um, did the hundred K Amy Caterpie, Amy did, um, her and her, another friend of hers did um, the 50K on Saturday, and then two other friends did the 25K on Sunday. So, you know, we had, I think there was 14 of us counting the kids that stayed in the Airbnb. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, at this point when I'm, I know I'm going to be late, you know, Amy and Sean should have been done. I think they were done at like, uh, I can't remember, 5 o'clock, 5 in the evening. So, you know, I should have been done at, at, at 8.30 in the evening. And at this point, I'm not going to get done till midnight. And, you know, I knew, I knew Amy would stick around and, and, and wait for me to finish. So now I'm not only, you know, I'm keeping other people, not just my family, you know, I'm keeping other people awake at this point. So, mm. so when you budgeted 13 hours mm-hmm. and you're going to go 17, does that change the calories you think you need to consume? The, the, you know, what, what do you do to get yourself fuel to go 17 hours instead of 13? So the good thing about the, one of the, one of the great things about this race, Tejas trails Bandera is it's almost, I mean, for being a trail race, it was set up like a road marathon. I mean, they had every, so they had so at mile five, mile 10. The next one was at mile 20. They had seven aid stations total. So, and all the aid stations were stocked pretty heavily. So I, I was planning on, I had, there was one, um, one long, I think it was seven, seven miles was the longest I had to go. So I, in my, in my pack, I had some food with me. This was a lot different than Discobia where I had to carry everything. Right. Um, sled. Yeah. And in Discobia, I had to sled this. All I had was my pack with, with, um, two running bottles and a little bit of food stashed just in case I couldn't make it in that seven mile stretch, you know, just in case I needed something in there. I have my watch set up for to eat every hour. Yeah, I, I'm borrowing one of Jeff's old watches, and in an hour, it yells at you to eat when you're running. Yeah, so because I I will forget. <laughs> what to are you eat. eating every hour? So I try to get like the frog fuel packages. or No, whatever. I don't. I do not like gels. I do not. We so, talked last week. It's going to be mile four for the Newcastle Marathon. It's going to be Primo with their chicken Alfredo. Yeah, I mean, I I prefer <laughs> real food. Now, <laughs> just throw meatballs at people. Yeah. Um, I've eaten. I've eaten a little bit of everything. Um, so in this heat, it kind of hindered how much I could actually eat. So like if I'm running Westwood, I'll take honey stinger waffles with me. Uh, I love those. Yeah. So I'll, I'll carry those. I had one or two of those during the race. Um, granola bars, uh, Mott's fruit snacks. I mean, just really anything that's easy to eat like that. 
Um, I prefer those over the gels. I know a lot of people use gels exclusively, and that's fine. I just don't. After eight or ten of them, you know, it's mm, just like, yeah. it's horrible. You know also, as you, get not. De- as you get dehydrated, that stuff you put in your mouth, it just sucks all the moisture out wow. of your mouth, and then you're, like, choking. Yeah, it's just not. I use, I use jelly beans. They make a sport bean, and I like jelly beans because at a certain point, I just swallow them like pills. I don't even <laughs> chew them. I'm like, it just gets it because, you, because you'll take a bite, and you're just like, the first time, the first, when you're early, you're not dehydrated. It's not too bad, but you take a bite, and you, you have, like, heavy syrup in your mouth. Exactly. And you're like, this is gross. I'm thinking about a jelly bean that goes down the wrong pipe, and you're just choking. Choking I mean, to death. And you're running down the right. road on a jelly belly. There you know wasn't. Okay. <laughs> the only race I've had to fuel at in like the last five years is the mini and they have an ambulance every hundred yards. So if I'm going <laughs> right. to drop dead. That's a great, that's, that's if I end up at the infield care center. Great. I'm like, that's perfectly fine. But so yeah, your wife posted a picture of you at an aid station. You were drinking an L eight one and pop eating yeah, pop tarts. So pop tarts is a big thing. I love pop tarts. That's something I tell people all the time. Cause, um, I'll, I'll talk to people about the podcast that they ask like what kind of people are on. I always say, I mean, we have everybody, politicians, and then we even had an ultra marathon runner. And people always ask, an ultra marathon runner? Right. And this dude's crazy. He ran an eighty mile race. <laughs> yeah. And um, I always, I always tell people, I asked him what he, his diet is like, and he said he eats like a teenager. I do. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, that was mile. So that that picture was mile thirty one. That was the that was the end of my first loop. Start of my second loop. I come in, I mean, and I was just spent. I was done. I hadn't sweat, so so that was, it was bad. I hadn't sweat since two aid stations before. Um, it actually got to the point where, so at the one aid station, uh, Chapa's, I pushed, I poured water, poured ice straight into my shirt, into my pack. So that was the only thing I could use to control, you know, my temperature. Wow. Um, so then we got to Yaya's, which was that next aid station, and it was just all exposed. They called it. They call it the racetrack on their thing. It's supposed to be the fastest part, and it's just all exposed. I mean, it's wide open, and it was one o'clock in the afternoon, and here I am in the Texas heat. Yeah, in the Texas heat, I'm already not sweating. Haven't been sweating for two hours. I get to that aid station. I'm like, you guys got ice, and they're like, yeah. So I just put it straight into my pack. So I had water in one bottle, and I had electrolytes in the other. And it was, I knew I had enough electrolytes that I could stay hydrated. So I was using the water and just dumping it on myself. Like I, I was trying to get my shirt wet to where any breeze would just try to keep me. And it's, it's like, you no, know, not sweating is not good. I understand that. I slowed down. It's not like I was pushing myself to where I was going to pass out. What is uh what's the name of the condition once you get um, too dehydrated? Is it rhabdo? No, rhabdo is the other one. Uh, rhabdo is where like you're. Mitochondria yeah. start exploding or something. Yeah, I can't think of what it's called. There is a name. Like, there's you, a technical term for brown or yeah, like whatever. Going horribly wrong. Yeah, things going horribly wrong. So I was, you know, but I was, basically your 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 internal radiator ear is broken. Yeah, completely. And, and you are trying to mechanically cool yourself. That's by that's just all I could do. That's what I couldn't I couldn't regulate it all. So then when I come into that that aid station, the the loop, um, my my wife and kids were just like, you know, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? And I'm like, I just need to sit down. I need ice. You know, so they got me ice in a water bottle. And I in this water bottle, and I'm drinking just ice water, which just felt so good because all my other water was so hot. So my youngest daughter, she's like, she's like, Dad, do you want a pop tart? And I'm like, Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, I would love to see my face. Genius idea. Yeah, it was genius. So I ate a pop tart and a half, one package, or you know, three quarters of a package, 
ate, drank the L8 because they were, I was like, do, do we have any cold L8s? And they're like, yeah. So they ran back to the cooler, grabbed me an L8, and I'm drinking. You're pretty serious about the L8s because I'm, pr- I'm sure those are not on the shelf in Texas. No, they are not. I had to bring them. <laughs> and what sucked was is our Kroger was out. So I had to stop in Kentucky, Kentucky yeah. and make sure that I got them on the way down. For those that are listening to Boss Hog across the country, L8 is the most regional of regional. It's it, it, Indiana barely has it. It is a Kentucky soft yes. drink. Yeah, growing it, up. It is like ginger ale for half of Kentucky. Yeah, growing up with all my family that lived in uh, Tennessee and part of Kentucky, it was like the going down to visit. It was always a big deal. To right, get you got to get to L.A., yeah. Yeah, and then they started having it in Indiana, and it, it lost its specialty for me. Well, so for me, well, and I try not to buy it. I try not to buy it unless it's a special occasion here in Indiana. You know, I don't just keep it in my house. But you know, like you said, when you go into Kentucky, like that first gas, like, yeah, yeah. gas station, that's it's still you special you, to go. Right, you, you go and yeah. you grab that AL8. I mean, it's just a way to do it. So that's what I had an AL8 and a Pop-Tart at mile, you know, 31 to 50K. And honestly, that like, like brought me back. And so for that next, for the start of that next loop, I really felt like I, I was certainly like, hope the people from Kellogg's are paying attention. Yeah. What flavor of Pop-Tart we need to know? Uh, strawberry. Iced or uh, icing. I, iced. Iced, strawberry. And With sprinkles? It, uh, yeah. They only yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. So it's iced, strawberry, iced, blueberry, brown sugar, and cinnamon, and then the rest of them I don't think they exist. I mean, there's really nothing after you're, you're that. Not, you're not getting through on s'mores. I think I'd no, switch the blueberry and the cin- brown you, you, sugar cinnamon. Yes. Okay. Strawberry's on top. Yeah, yeah. strawberry's always on top. So Iced or not iced, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's still it's is just on top. the best. It's I haven't the had Pop-Tart in 20 years, but I, but, well, you know, yeah, you I gave it up as a teenager, so, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, um, and you're talking about how you're eating. So, um, the one thing that I've been noticing lately for the past four years, I've, I've tracked my food in an app. It's called chronometer. And, uh, it's just kind of, it's a, it's a habit at this point. And I've never really paid attention to my micronutrients before. I've always only paid attention to how much protein I get right, for recovery's right. sake. And, um, so my mom and also my grandma have got high blood pressure. So I was reading up on that after talking to my primary care physician about it. And, uh, that's a call back to the Patreon episode. And, uh, one of the things that you can do is try to pay attention to your sodium and potassium ratio. And as I did more research on that, as I'm like, I, I wanted to look into this, it also plays a big impact in sports performance. So you're talking about your electrolytes and keeping up with your electrolytes and your hydration. Are you tracking any of that kind of stuff whenever you're training or I, I'm leading not. up to it? Um, so, so I'm not the I'm not great at that type stuff. You know, at tracking. If I if I download a, a food tracker, it's to make sure I'm getting enough calories, not right. not to. Um, not to track specifics, you know, and I wish, I wish I was better at some of that stuff, but it, it just seems like, you know, I just eat, you know, if, mm-hmm. if, if I'm tired, I eat, if I, you know, if you, I know like you know, your body well I, enough I to do. manage it. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I do it. And it's not, it, it, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm not an elite athlete, so I You're just kind of, yeah. I, okay. I, uh, no, I am not an elite <laughs> athlete. So, you know, I just kind of, I kind of wing it on those things. So, you know, even during that race when I'm pushing, I'm like, okay, I need this, this, and this. Um, and I was using liquid IV as my electrolyte for that race. Mm-hmm. Um, it's simple. You can buy it here. So that's why, you know, a lot of people buy stuff that you got to get online and stuff like that. For me, liquid IV was cheap. 
And so it's, they're electrolytes. Yeah, they're electrolytes. Yeah. So, so it doesn't matter. Um, so Dakota's definitely going to want to do one of these crazy races. I he, hope he's, so. He's already he's the, angling the, so and figuring the, out what he can do. The lady I went and bought, I went and got fitted for running shoes last weekend, um, and the lady was like, "So how'd you get started running?" And I was like, "I, you know, I've been I've been into physical fitness for like four years." Uh, Never ran because I hated running from high school. I ran track and I hated it. You just ran track to find his wife. And yeah, that's it worked. It worked. And uh, <laughs> so I'm like, but the, there's been always been this thing where it's like I listen to people like Cameron Haynes, who's an ultra marathon runner, and I've loved listening to David Goggins. Jocko Wilk is another one who does the rucks with a weighted vest, and I'm like. That part's always been missing from my physical fitness regimen. But I'm like, ah, I do the rowing machine. Right, right. You know, know, it's the same. Yeah. But then Travis came up. He said he's going to do the half marathon. I was like, this is my opportunity. Right. And so told her that story. And then she goes, so, and, and then I said, I also have a friend who does ultra marathons. And that was really cool to talk to him about it. And she said, so you think you might do an ultra and i was like no listen uh i struggle with three miles <laughs> this is gonna it'll be but it's a no i time. mean it's, it's so, so that's that's the question jeff you know looking at where he is now and you know i i know that dakota is going to want to achieve something what like if you're and this is for the audience as well he's going to do a 5k he's going to do his first mini what what are the next steps on that ladder and what's a What's a reasonable path? So it, I read, I, I thought I wanted to be a, an Ironman and do a, an Ironman triathlon. <clears throat> and I read an article that said at the end of a, at, at the start of an Ironman triathlon, they're not punching, you know, they're not checking your ticket to make sure that you ran a half Ironman or you ran this many sprint tries. I mean, really, there's no, no, you don't want to go say, hey, a couch to 100 mile, you know, training plan. But there is no step. I mean, it, if you want to go straight into ultra running in a year, year and a half, I mean, it's all, it, that's one thing I've learned is it's all training. You, there, you, there's an entry blank and they'll take it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you can go, I mean, honestly, you can sign up right now and in six months go run, you try to run your first hundred marathon, a hundred miler. You know, that it, there's not, there, there is steps that you need to make sure that your body's taking. But for me, there's no clear cut. Okay. You need to do a 5k first. You need to do a half marathon and then do a road full and then do, you know, a trail full and that there's no clear cut. You know, I, my first, my first ultra was a 50 miler. You know, some people, I didn't run my first 50 K until I'd already ran two 50 milers and an 80 miler. So there's no, you know, there's no clear cut path. I don't think, um, the, the key is, is to make sure your body's ready, you know? Um, cause it is, I mean, I was out there for 17 hours. You got to be able to move for 17 hours. Right. Um, and, and it's not. It doesn't seem like that's so bad, you know. I can I can walk around Kings Island. I can walk around Kings Island all day, you know. But listen, but Jeff, I can, a seventeen hour road trip is beyond all comprehension for most of America. <laughs> yeah. And you're saying, well, you know, running for seventeen hours doesn't sound that bad. And it's not it's not all running. I mean, it's moving. You know, it's 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 uh it's adventure adventure hiking. But see, you know, what to the, to the with your seventeen hours, what does that put your average pace at? Uh, I think it was 16, 16 minute miles. I think that's what it was. Let me look real quick. Um, 
because I haven't ran since then, so it should be pretty easy. To, <laughs> should be pretty easy to find. But does that factor into that's total? That factors in. Yeah, so that factors in you sitting and mm-hmm. drinking some soda and eating yeah. pop tart. So, so you're actually running on average. Yeah. So here than, I can give you that information. So so the total the total was a 16 minute a 16 minute pace for 62.26 miles. Um, so my average moving pace, it and says, he's pissed about that, Dakota. Yeah, Dakota's shaking his head. He's I mean, like, the pace that people consider like running, running, or like that's elite, like that can actually hammer out. Like I think that was the winner sub nine. Sub winner was sub, just under. Yes, and then Courtney Dewalter set a course record for female. Yeah. On there. Um. So my moving pace was a fifteen twenty one. It says so I didn't get you know too crazy. Um. It looks like I had about. It says about 45 minutes of downtime total, um, which is long for me in a, in a race. Um, but that, short. yeah, and that's every, but that's, you know, that's every, you know, we had 14 aid stations, you know? So if I spent that, a couple that, minutes at that each aid person station, that ran sub nine hours, mm-hmm. what's he look like? Um, it, no different than me. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, he's a little more muscular than I was, but I mean, no different than usually kind of wiry, but that's yeah, about it. That's about it. They're not, they're not super thick. And I mean, a lot of you, you look at them and you're like, okay, they don't look like, yeah, it's, it's not like a typical body style. You're going to see just like, oh, that's an ultra guy. And sometimes like usually a lot of times those races, I know you mentioned you got in the, in the show notes, there's a mention of the Western States. There was a guy that won the Western States by such a margin that he went back, cleaned up, took a nap, got up and waved in the second place runner. Yeah, Walmsley. You talking about Walmsley? Yeah, a couple of years ago, yeah, just Jim like obliterated just, I mean, the field. So yeah, so so Western States, this this race that it was this race was yeah, a qualifying race this for is a, a good segue. Yeah, so um, to kind of go into that real quick, um, so Western States is a hundred mile race in California. Starts in Olympic Valley, ends in Auburn. It's a point to point race. So this race, I kind of did like I, I kind of had some history on it, but after talking to you today, um, it started as a horse race called the. Uh, hmm. Tevis Cup. Hence the belt buckle. Yeah. So yeah, hence more than likely where the belt buckle started. It started as a horse race. It was their 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 goal to see if they could get these horses to do hundred miles in twenty four hours. Um so they started this in nineteen fifties. Um so then in the mid seventies at some point, a, a guy decided he was gonna I'm gonna try to run beside the horses and see if I can <laughs> make it in twenty four hours, you know? So he did it the next was year. Was he drunk? No. I mean, <laughs> he did it the next year. He decided to bring a buddy along. And, you know, so then within, that was early 70s. By 77, they started the race. Um, so now Western States has blown up. I looked at some statistics. Um, last year, they had 7,000 entries. Wow. Into Western States for 369 spots. They can only have 369 runners because it goes through some tribal territory and Mm. You have to have permission. You got some, you got some head count. You know. Yeah. So you have to make so sure. That was my big question on this because the, the Bandera 100K that you did, it said that if you finish on the website, it today it said that if you finish in under 17 hours, Correct. then you would put your name would be put into a lottery to possibly be chosen for the Western States 100 mile. And I thought, is there really that many people? vying for a place in a hundred mile race that they have to do. 7,000 7, entries is, is the statistics I looked for 2023. Um, so the race is in June. So it was 7,000, maybe 7,500. Um, so, so to kind of put it in perspective, I don't know how much you know about other running, but Western States is kind of the 
Boston of okay. of the ultra world. Yeah. It's kind of hard to get into. It's kind of that prestige. Oh, you've ran Western States, you know. So it's it's kind of that prestige of. I assumed it would be like the Moab two forty. Yeah, so something insane. Yeah, so it's not. I mean those those two those two hundred races. They're just now starting to pick up, and yeah, I mean it's got a little niche group that, of people that do it. But for for most ultra runners, they know Western states. You know, everybody mm-hmm. knows this person that that knows this person that went to Western states or knows something about in that trail running ultra community. They know Western states. So the Bandera is a qualifying race. You have to have at this point. There's so many people to enter. You have to have a qualifying race to get there. Um, Bandera was also what they call a golden ticket race. So the first and second place male and female get automatic entry into Western States. Uh-huh. So that's why Bandera turns out to be, you get a lot of big name people there. Like I was lined up with, with Courtney Dewalter. Um, John Kelly was there. He's a, a Barkley guy. Um, a lot of bigger name people that were there. You know, so I, is there like a, in ultra running, is there are there crown jewel races like the Bandera, Western States, or yeah. what, what are the so so? There's Western States, there's Hard Rock, there's uh, the Hurt 100, which is in Hawaii. Um, so those are kind of you know the ones that everybody's going for. Hard Rock is one that's hard. Where uh, is that? Uh, that is starts in. Uh, man, it's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't think of where. The Hurt was just this in like last week. Hurt was last weekend in Hawaii. Um, Hard Rock starts at a, at a crazy elevation. I think I want to say it starts. At We're talking California. Uh, no, I want to say it's Colorado. I, yeah. I want to say it's. I want to say it's Colorado. I can't think of the, the actual town that's in. But oh. then there's then there's Leadville. This is a statistic that'll make your head hurt. It has. I'm trying to look. Oh man, I, I lost part of it here. For hard hard Rock. Was. Yeah, Silverton, Colorado. Silverton, yeah. yeah, so it's nuts. Uh, in thirty three thousand foot climb. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. So it with, but I think it's it might be a loop because it says there's a total of sixty six thousand feet of elevation change. So I'm guessing it's a fifty mile loop twice. So Boy. yeah. So it's and it's the thing about the Hard Rock is it's a like, I think it's a thirty six hour cutoff. The average elevation of the race is eleven thousand feet, Zach. You've got no air. Yeah. Try to do that coming from Indiana. Yeah. You can't, yeah. yeah. You're just sucking thin air. Right. They make the masks. Yeah. That. You make a mask yeah. and that's what, you know. I, I don't even think, I know somebody, we knew or anybody that's got the mask and he's like, it's, he doesn't think it's the same. It limits, it just like limits how much air you can actually inhale. Right. But like ultimately the quality of the air you're getting is still a, a, le- a level of quality for wherever you're at, as opposed to if you go to actual altitude, you're just not getting the air. I think it's it's got to be different. There's also know, the like, difference in blood flow. Yeah. yeah, just like there's a lot of differences at that elevation. So, so for somebody like us to go out and try to do hard rock would be, you know, you would have to, pardon me, you would have to go out and and acclimate for a month or so. I mean, two weeks yeah. at least to go out there and try to. Get, well, there's a, thir- a lot of a 35 year old man named uh, Killian Bergalta. Uh, Gillian Gillian Jarnett or uh, however you pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Killian Jornet Berganta, he's, yeah. he's from Spain. Yes. He won it for the fifth time. Yeah, he's he is superhuman. Um, I don't. I, I honestly, <laughs> five, I don't know. Five that he's seven one twenty eight. I don't know that he's not a robot. Um, it, so he's he's an amazing. The athlete. the one thing that I speaking about the altitude. Uh, one thing that I've always heard from like being a fan of UFC and stuff. They they always say the athletes say you either need to be there a month in advance to get acclimated. Or you fly in the night before, right? So, like, so we did. So the only the only experience I have at racing at 
elevation. Uh, me and a friend of ours did a race in Colorado Springs. So started at 6,000 feet, went up to 6,500 and then came back down. Um, and it's different. Like we were running, it was a road marathon and, um, I was running probably 8.30 pace, and mm-hmm. I needed to use the restroom. And I said, hey, I'll catch up, drop down to like 7.30 pace to catch up with him. And I was sucking air. Like, I was like, what is going on? Like, it shouldn't be this bad. And then I right. realized, oh, okay, it's the elevation. So It was like you were running where it's hot and humid. Yeah, yeah. It was like I was running where it was hot and humid, <laughs> which was dumb. But So, um, now so where the hell gone? is it easy? Yeah. It's not yeah. easy where it's hot. Is it is the cold the cold for, Arctic the best for, for, for me? I mean, yeah, for me, Toscobia like is the way to go. Dry, yeah. yeah, for me, Toscobia is the way to go. I love that race, the, I mean, and I'm hoping to go back next year. So this, I've only been running for six weeks, but I can tell you that the <laughs> day that I ran where it was simultaneously 98% humidity and raining was awful. Yeah. I, it was like huffing and puffing. Like, right, and, and then you happening? can't get the, the water just stays on you. There's nothing you can do. I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible. And that's how I was for about four or five hours at Bandera. So, so your daughters and your wife, I presume they said that the next race is going to be the hard race in Hawaii. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's, that's a really hard race to get. My friend just actually ran it. It's a hard race to get into. You like have to do, um, you have to do volunteer hours. You have to, I mean, there's it's, it's, you have to work your way. You have to work your way into that race. So that's a hard race to do. All right. A technical question. Do you run with the uh, what, what's the thing you put on your head it, the so, the head sock? What do you all call it? A buff or a, like a yeah? Or is it just a beanie or like no. a no? There's a there's a whole uh, I don't want Dakota to say the word because he said it wrong last week. I think oh a balaclava oh balaclava yeah I don't I call them baklavas all the time yeah, yeah baklava Dakota, Dakota I, baklava yeah. And I thought I think that's food but I didn't no, want I to said, be judging I said, yeah baklava same thing. Yeah. by the way I want anybody I who know. wants to be wildly entertained look up. The Hard Rock 100. It's hardrock100.com and just read some of the warnings. Yeah, it's not stuff. It's like there's the cutoff is to allow you time to hide in caves during <laughs> storms. <laughs> and it says, let's see, there's lightning. It said, so, you know, if you get hit by lightning, that's your problem, you know, there's snow and it's like you, there's a waterfall that's got a 300 foot drop directly to one side that you need to get across. Yeah, hard Rock's no joke. I mean, Hard the, Rock's hard to get into. Like, the record is a 21 hour and change. 21 hours, 45 minutes. That's, and that's Killian. Uh, He's 21, done it. 20, well, there's, they, they run it in two different directions. Yes, they run it in two different directions. K- Killian was 2136, and then uh, Francis Dehaney. Yeah. Dehane, uh I assume he's French, uh, 2145. Yeah. It's, hard Rock's an, it's, it's an amazingly hard race. All right, so you're running a 17, 18, 19 hour race. You got tunes in your ears? No, I do not. I I only run with music around Baker Park. That's I mean, unless I'm on the treadmill, which is few and far between. But so if if I'm running, you're just listening for rattlesnakes and bears. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's just nice to be out there. You, you, know? you told me uh, the last episode that you were on, episode two thirty six, and you said that you don't like running with music. Mm. So my my first times, two I think two times that I went out and ran, I, I didn't put headphones on, and I was like. This sucks. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> it's podcast time for Zach, right? No, I no, I can't listen. Like my watch, yeah, I is my music podcast. player. I have like a, I have a Garmin that has they can store music on it. And unfortunately, um, because of the alignment of technology companies, um, I'm just whatever Amazon Music can put on there. So I just like just I'm a Google Music guy. So I just throw some music on there. But um, yeah, I haven't had any music for a while. My watch has been shipped off for repair, but. I, yeah, I have to have something. Even in the mornings, I'll just run with one earbud in case somebody tries to stalk me. 
But there, yeah. there's two songs that whenever they pop on, they really get me going. And the those two are uh, a Warrior's Call by Volbeat, and then Shield Wall by Amon Marth. And there's someone out there who knows both of those songs that are. Yeah, I don't know either one. That are kind of. I thought. I really thought he was going to tell us it was Country Roads. But right. no, they're the most like stereotypical. Right. Like, pop up song. Yeah. Yeah. And I just I. For me, like around Baker Park, I do just because I zone out, but I just don't, I, I just don't, you know, and, and like in this race, you know, you're out there, I don't know, you're out there in nature, you just kind of want to be out there. Um, yeah, I guess trail running would be a little different. It is a little different, and you just, I just like to listen, and I didn't see any, you know, I didn't see any rattlesnakes, I didn't see any, you know, there was no wildlife out on the course, unfortunately, I would have loved to have seen something in right. my misery. Um, so, how many people are out there running? Man, what was there... Talking dozens, hundreds, uh, five hundred. That's a big, big event. Yeah, yeah. It's it is a big event. Bandair is a big event um, because it's a golden ticket race. So everybody's out there. So the funny thing about you know that whole Western states seventeen hour cutoff. I don't care that much about Western states. It's not on my. Now that I got a qualifier, I may try to get in, but not. Don't really care. So I was. Uh, uh-huh. I, I don't know. I, I, I believe. You. No, seriously. I was eighteen. <laughs> I was eighteen miles into the race. And somebody said, I'm just trying to beat the 17-hour cutoff. And I was like, what 17-hour cutoff are you talking about? He's like, the Western States cutoff. You have to be in by 17 hours. I had no idea. that I knew it was a qualifier, but I had no idea there was a cutoff. How quick is the turnaround? If you had qualified mm-hmm. and they say, okay, you can run this other race, is it six weeks later? So No, actually, I would, I'm qualifying for 24. I'm yeah. qualifying for 24. So um, I was looking at that today. Like I said, I don't know. I looked up more today than I had looked up ever because Western States is not – it's hot. Basically, I've always said – I have no desire to go see do Western states because it's California hot. shouldn't be too humid. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's just it's, it's in June. It's in June. It's the end of June. It's a it's it's a net downhill end race. June. Yeah, the end yeah. of June. It's a net downhill race. You start at seven thousand feet, go up to eight thousand, and then you end at a thousand. But it's just, I mean, it's just very constant. hilly. Yeah, very the uh, Lake Tahoe area climbs eighteen thousand feet and then drops twenty three thousand feet. Ooh, so if you uh, if it, for you, if you want to watch a documentary on um, on Western states, a good one I like is it's called A Decade On. It's about a guy who ten years ago, a ten year span, was going to win Western states, collapsed a hundred yards before the finish, and didn't finish. So ten years later, he goes back and tries to tries to do it. He actually just picked him up. They, you can't. You have to come over. They actually. He has to finish. Who under, says who? Yeah, the you Western can. States. You can. You can. Yeah. Well, okay. They actually. You, you that will complete it. Yeah. You have to do it under your own power. So it, watch that. Watch that documentary. I think you'd like it. It's called a decade on. Um, not plugging it. I have no you know affiliation with it, but it's a good. It's a good Western States. Um, a good Western States so, documentary. Let's talk about physically. Mm-hmm. What was your recovery like? I'm sitting here. My quads hurt. My knees hurt. So unfortunately, and I just ran three point three. <laughs> so, uh, so my recovery was a twenty-hour trip drive home. Um, so we, I raced Saturday, got done at midnight. Um, I got to bed about two a.m. after having some Reese Puffs or no uh, Captain Crunch Crunch Berries on the or uh, not Crunch Berries, the peanut butter ones on the back yeah. of the porch. Um, Oh, had those about 2 a.m. Went to bed, got up at 7 38 o'clock. We went and watched our friends Bob and Tina finish their race, and then I hopped in the car and we drove from Bandera to just outside, just uh, outside of Texarkana. So I think we drove till 11, okay. 11 o'clock that night. My wife did help drive. 
that 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 part of the trip, and then we got off the next morning and drove back to Indiana. So that was my recovery. I sat in a, either driving or sat in the passenger seat, and unfortunately, because it wasn't my physical, it wasn't physical that got me down at the race. It was the heat. Yeah, I really wasn't that. You know, I was sore. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wasn't, you know, I, I could have ran three to five miles on Sunday. I mean, but I was sore on Sunday. Um, do do people take me? it seriously in the, oh, my God, I can't drive 20 hours to come in and do the race? Do they, I mean, it, in the conditioning, do they say hey, you needed to fly in? Yeah, you needed well, to, you know, I need a private jet. Like, some, oh, well, some people do. I mean, yeah. obviously, I drove. I got there. I left Wednesday morning, got down to it, Texas. In motorsports, sure. you're always searching for somebody to blame or something to blame when it goes horribly wrong. So but, I'm just trying to f- help you find the excuse. Yeah. So, yeah, it was the drive. Definitely. You know, if, if you know, I could have had a sponsor to get the flight down, I could have definitely <laughs> finished a lot better. Um, actually, it was all the heat in my, you know, it was, yeah, it was crazy. Um, and, and the courses, the the course is nuts i swore at one point that like there was an easy section of the trail that they brought like toddler head size boulders in they like wheeled them in and just put them in because i didn't see any other rocks except for on the trail so i think the course officials actually came and brought extra rocks in it was just such a rocky course um i mean just big limestone boulders that you seem like you had to crawl over so did you see the ambulance at all um you know i didn't see no, I didn't see anything. I, I heard stories um, from last year or two years ago. Uh, friends were telling us that uh, one of the lead females fell on one of the rocks, busted her face completely open, blood everywhere. Oh, and I didn't see, I didn't really didn't see any, any didn't, carnage. Didn't see a pool of blood or a no, chalk no, outline or anything? No, I didn't. It's surprising because that's what I expected, you know, especially with wet conditions. Yeah. I was told that's what I was more scared of than anything, you know. I felt pretty confident with my running ability and, you know, my managing the heat. I thought that I was going to break a leg or something, but, you know, none of that. So um, I didn't see anybody toted away and anything. So you woke up Sunday and you felt pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, and and my recovery is pretty decent. It normally doesn't hit me until Tuesday or Wednesday, but I wasn't walking funny. I could have ran three to five miles. What what are you doing for recovery? Um, Pop-tarts. Not not just specifically for the race, but for... Training every day. Uh, so life. And I haven't got into the habit as much of this training cycle as I was for Tascobia, but I do a lot of Epsom salt baths. Um, okay. So at Tascobia, so, so it, and before Tascobia, I was running every day. So I would come home. It did not matter. After every run, I would soak for 20, 20 to 30 minutes in Epsom salt. I mean, and it, it really helped. Have um, you done ever done a float tank? I haven't. I, it's on my list of things to do. I really want to try a float. Okay, so a place to float in Indianapolis is a great place to go. It's a very clean facility. They're very nice. I've done it a handful of times. Love it. Right. So that's, it's it's on my goal. I read, my, like I said, my wife's a physical therapist, and several years ago she had a, a class, and I read some of the her literature about float tanks, and I was like, Man, that sounds like something I'd like to do. Almost every time I've gone, I've walked out with a different experience. Really? Even though the pod has been the same. Right. It's different. So, yeah, that's very, cool. It's something I would like to do. Depends upon the mushrooms he's doing as he gets into it. Yeah, so Je- Jeff probably tell you that him in a se- sensory deprivation situation for too long might be problematic. Yeah, it may, I don't well, know how I that would work. That you know, I don't know how. I thought that about myself, and then the first time I was just kind of like, I didn't let myself relax enough right. the first time. That's what I'd be afraid of my first time. And then the second time, I fell asleep. Right, and I woke up like. I slept so good for that hour right. that I woke up thinking like, oh my God, I've been in here for hours. Been <laughs> here for days. What day is it now? Yeah. Like freaked out. But no, I was just in there for an hour. And then all of a sudden, like, I was like 
trying to get out of the pod and and uh then all of a sudden the like the lights start turning on telling you know your time's up so i'm like i'm only asleep for like 45 minutes right (laughs) that's something that's on my list of things i'd like to try yeah it's good uh and then I, I bought a Theragun. I got a, I got a yeah. Theragun. I used it. You know, just those type things um, is what I was what I do for. You ever used a, a, a Shakta mat? I have not. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is it like I mean, is it like a tens unit where it's like a like a? Uh, no, it's a it's like a a roll out mat that's got these little circles on it that have all these sharp points. Hmm, no, that come up and. You lay down on it, and you can put it on different parts of your body. And the whole idea is you put all that pressure on with these sharp, like, needle-like points. Right. And it just draws blood right. uh, through the muscle and towards the surface of the skin. So you're you're basically just trying to pull fluid into areas that are sore to help get nutrients to Dakota that has a portable bed of nails. Right. That's not, yeah. Sounds it, interesting. It literally rolls up. I keep it under my nightstand. It um, sounds like hepatitis on wheels. I can kind of... Hit two birds with one stone. If I want to sit and meditate or pray, I can sit on the Shakta mat and do that at the same time while I'm getting it right on my glutes. It's very nice, especially like right after squats. Right. You know, it's it's very good. It's real nice if you want nails in your ass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It does. There's a, it takes time. Yeah. You know. I've but never, I never heard of it. Never tried it. So. I recommend it a lot. I asked for one for Christmas for years ago. My mom got it for me, and I've liked it ever since. Right? Yeah. Huh. So the last question here: um, Do you have a any kind of a mantra? You know, I've, I've I've been asked that before, and it's like it's it's mainly just that I can do anything for ten more minutes. You know, I can I can keep moving for ten more minutes. You know, it's yeah. it's it's that's kind of. That's kind of what kept me going. You know, it's just like, I know I can do this. You know, even if I'm moving slow, I know I can do it. So it's, I don't necessarily have that mantra that, that, you know, I replay in my head over and over, but, um, running is stupid. Yeah. That's, you know, it's just like, I just got to finish. I saw that question. I thought if Jeff answered, honestly, it would be the afterwards. He's like, running is stupid. Yeah. It's just, I'll randomly get a text from Jeff here once in a while. Running stupid. It is. It's marathons are stupid. Marathons are. I I I labeled a run. I have that written down here because it's. I have written down liking running because do you while you're running, are you like I'm having a great time? Because like lifting weights, if I'm lifting heavy in the gym, I'm having a a fun time. Right. Like I'm really enjoying myself. And then um, I also have a day where I like to do calisthenics. And I don't like doing that. It sucks. It's hard. It's exhausting. But I feel great afterwards. afterwards. Same with running. I, it's been six weeks, and I said today, I'm like, I don't, don't like I it. still don't like this at all. I'm just making myself do it. So it's it's when when everything clicks, you know, to the the mundane the mundane runs, just the everyday. I got to get some miles in. I mean, yeah, it, it's not like ideal, but man, when 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 it's close to sunset and the legs are just clicking just right. I mean, it's, it's, it really is a great feeling. If I'm out at Westwood and things are just going good and like, you're just moving through the woods, you're just moving through the woods and it it just feels good. So those days, yes, I absolutely love running now 17 hours in Bandera. No, I mean, I've considered, you know, I considered quitting running for the rest of my life out. There. You know, I, I did. I, it, it was just hard. It was hard. Right. I mean, I'm not sweating. I can't breathe. You know, my family keeps asking me what I want. I'm I'm taking 
dill pickle juice shots at every aid station just to stay my electrolytes and stay hydrated. And it's just, no, it was not fun. There was, there was, you know, I've, I've thought about, you know, what went right with this race and what went wrong with this race and those type of things. And it wasn't fun during the race because everything was going bad. But the thing was, is like, I, I had to troubleshoot everything. So, so no, during the race, it wasn't a blast. But then after I got done, I realized, okay, I did fight. You know, I fought tooth and toenail, you know, like I almost felt bad for getting the buckle. Like I didn't deserve it. You know, I mean, I, I worked for it. I did. But you realize like I endured. Yes. And that's, that's, that was kind of like, it's, it's finally, it's taken me two weeks to realize, okay, I, I troubleshooted this whole race. You know, I dumped ice on myself to regulate myself. I made sure that I was eating even when I didn't want to eat um, because I was too hot and nothing tasted good. You engineered your way through it. I did. I mean, I really did. So at the end of it, it was like, okay, I am defeated, but I still conquered this. I beat it. I did. Yeah. I, I beat it as hard as much as it threw at me, you know, between, you know, getting nighttime farther. And, and I, I hit I hit nighttime in probably one of the more technical, harder parts of the race where I shouldn't have been. I should have already been part. I should have been already through that. Zach, you, so, so I hear this and I think of the 24 hours of Daytona Yeah, and a car that, you know, had had three spins and it went horrifically wrong and you've lost the right front fender, but you saw the checkered flag come out at the end of the yeah. race. You completed, you completed and, and the here's, event. Here's one thing is I thought of a question and I've never even thought of this before, but like, I understand the good run things. Um, I'm trying to think, I don't think I've ever had one of those runs at a race. It's, where it went horrifically wrong or fell no, apart. No, no, had yeah. a good where run. It felt right. really good. Oh, it had okay. the great run where everything's clicking because if you kind of do, then you're going to run yourself harder and make yourself more miserable because you're at a race. But yeah, those do happen. But I don't know. I don't think that's ever happened ever. So I remember this this last mini. I was like, I had a goal. I hit the goal, and as I came in the last mile, I'm like, this race was uneventful, and that's a success. But it wasn't like I felt great. But you do have those. You do have good runs. So there's times it's so, like great runs. But yeah, that's almost always just like a random training run in the middle. Of, you just like and you, you can't. Know. You don't know when it's coming. No, you no, don't. I mean, because any it, other training day. Yeah. yeah, it really is. I mean, because you don't know, you don't know that those good days are coming, and I guess that's why you keep doing them. Because you know, you get through the mundane days mm-hmm. to get to those days where holy crap! And I, you know, like one of my fastest runs at Westwood was a uh, my in laws were camping out there, and I just said, "Hey, I'm going to take my my clothes and I'm going to run out there." And it ended up being like my fastest. I didn't even start in the Big Oaks parking lot where I normally start. I started at the campground, hit the trail, and went around, and it was one of the fastest laps I've ever. That just clicked, you know. That's why I got. So you have the same experiences in weightlifting, and I. That's why I started getting like so hardcore about tracking my food and stuff because it's like I want. I wanted to try to figure out, right. figure out what works. Why are these days happening when they happen? Still, some days it doesn't make sense. Some days I will go out to El Chile. And I'll have a fajita and drink a 34-ounce Miller Lite. And then the next day, I walk into the gym, and I feel freaking amazing. Right. And then there's no duplicating it. And then the, I might do that two weeks down the road. Right. And you and feel, I feel like absolute crap. Yep. So you yeah. just don't know. It's, you're, you're looking for data points, and you don't know if they're from the food, if they're from the sleep, if they're from another activity. So, yeah, so many there's, there's different things. So many people doesn't don't factor in all of other life stresses as well. Right, I, I and we were point. talking about that yeah, earlier. There's, yeah, week. there's so many other life stresses that people just don't realize. They just, okay, I'm going to go run 
and this is my workout. You know, running is my workout. Mm-hmm. Well, I've also done this, this, and this that is not a workout, but I've stressed my body or I've stressed myself. You know, whatever right. is going on in your life, I mean, it's that that mental stress takes it out on your body as well. Right. Yeah. I like so when we were talking about it earlier this week, I had an awful day running on Tuesday morning, and I texted Jeff because I felt bad about it. I was like, "This sucks. Why did this happen?" Everything felt tight and hurt, and I cut off my run like three quarters of a mile shorter than what I wanted it to be. And I was, so I I texted him out of frustration purely. And then I like thought about it as I cooled off and went to work and stuff. And I was like, I didn't even have time to shower yesterday. Like, how do, how do I expect my body to be recovered? Right. You know, appropriately. So but you don't think about it. But you don't it. think, you think about your training. That was, just, that was just work. I, I did work. I mean, that's, that's right. not a big deal. I that did. wasn't normal. This doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, and, and people, so many people don't do that. And I mean, I guess, you know, I think, you know, down here, you got any tips for people. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is just, you know, don't get, don't be too hard on yourself. It's not going to come. And like, I've always said, like, if, if I stopped running in that first mile when I didn't, you know, that first mile sucks. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're going out for a 30 mile training run or you're going out for a five mile training run. The first mile normally sucks, you know, so you just got to get past that and keep going and then pay attention to the other stressors in life and what's going on. And don't be so hard on yourself, you know. Yeah, especially if you're, like, you're, if you're training, like weightlifting or whatever, it takes a mile to just, like, loosen up. I think mean, you said something in chat. You're like, you mentioned, like, yeah, I mentioned yeah after I got too. I was like, man, I was like, I mean, I have some days you can overcome it, but I have, like, a tenth of a mile run to get to a, a road to determine where I'm going to go for the morning for the run. And... I can usually tell you how things are going to go before I get that 10th of a mile. Now, sometimes I can pull out of it or change or whatever. This morning just sucked. My friend this morning just, I was like, I shouldn't feel this crappy and I shouldn't be going this slow. But you're just like, man, it's one of those days. You're just going to move on with it. And then you prepare. So like, yeah, you don't get too bad. Like the worst part is like for Jeff, he says he's like eight or nine in. He's like, yeah, the wheels are coming off. And that's the hardest part is like, you're like, oh, what do you think about? Well, Jeff had... 12 hours or 15 hours to think about. And the answer is everything. You everything. think about everything that went wrong. You right. think about everything you've done in your entire you, you life. You think about every point. run that you cut short or every run that you did this or what you had for dinner the night before, or that your family stuck out there with no, you know, cell service. Or, and you think, I you honestly, think about everything. I mean, yeah, not even Cause you have time to yeah. think about right. you, everything. everything. Right. And this is why I'm thinking, God so, dang it. Me, like, I want a mindless podcast to take my mind off. The self abuse <laughs> is going to happen. Oh uh, Yeah. All right, Zach, we probably are at the point in the show where we need to start doing final thoughts or Dakota's going to fall asleep in his chair on me. What uh, what, what, what are the takeaways? What, what are the takeaways you want me to know, Zach? I don't know because it's like I, Jeff and I did quite a bit of running before his race. We haven't run since then. Jeff hasn't run since then, which is which is good for Jeff. Jeff's got a, getting a break. Um, so I hadn't really caught up with him, so I kind of knew a little bit. Like I was trying to pick and pick out details. I didn't realize his wife had no cell phone reception because normally I'm pretty, she's really good about keeping everybody up to date on when Jeff's off doing dumb things. Um, but you can tell there's no cell phone reception because the first picture I saw was like probably like two or three o'clock in the morning when they, when they got, finally got their cell, cell phone reception. But, um, but yeah, just like in from what Travis uh, was talking about last week, since it's been a running centric uh, couple of weeks is that um, feel free to bug like if you know a runner, chances are you can bug them and they'll uh, they'll answer your questions and they'll offer whatever advice because um, especially like recreational running community, you're racing yourself. You're not racing anybody else, so it doesn't matter. And it's a great. I haven't in, I haven't dealt with the trail community, but like 
and the mini is its own deal. Like if you go do the 500 festival, mini, if you go to hit a local 5k, they're great. Local 5Ks are fantastic because you'll run the same people over and over. I've seen Nate Lamar, who's a local guy who we should have we had. Yeah, that was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember for sure. I see Nate at every 5K, um, and they're great. The people are great. I've only had. I think I've only experienced one guy at a race that I wanted to like punch in the head <laughs> for being just a prick uh, to other people uh, during the race. Um, are we going to use names? No, I don't know the guy. It was, <laughs> no, it was at um, I could tell you was at a, I could tell you the intersection I was at. It was um near Fountain Square, and it was a race where you passed by, and they'll do this a lot. You'll, it was an intersection where you went through twice, and so we went through, and we were probably like a mile and a half or two miles ahead of the people that we were seeing at the other side of the intersection. The mini marathon has an intersection that's like this, and he was yelling at them, "I'm beating you! I'm beating you!" And I'm like, like, "You're an asshole! Like nobody's like, don't be like that." Um, so those people are so rare because I've raced too many times. Um, so yeah, go ask, go sign up for a 5k couch to five, never done couch to 5k. Um, but that's supposed to be a killer program it's and then really go find, start. yeah, go find a 5k, um, go find a fun 5k. Just like I said, the funnest, one of the funnest races I've ever done was I was traveling for the 4th of July and I found the equivalent of Jeremiah's neighborhood. Uh, I jokingly call Caucasian estates, white estates. I found a neighborhood like that in North Carolina that was having a 5k for the 4th of July and it was the most fun I've ever had at a 5K. It was me, a stranger, and all these people were super nice. Oh, where are you from? Oh, da, da. It was great. So go find a local 5K. Uh, they're cheaper than all the, the some of the big races and enjoy yourself or go find whatever. You can walk them. Um, go find dead stuff. This isn't the best weather to go do it. The weather sucks right now. But go train on a treadmill smarter than me and then come out in the spring and have 5K and enjoy it. Don't train on a treadmill. I mean, yeah, I'll admit also run outside though, because it's worth it. It's not as hard as you think it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can run in shorts all year round in Indiana. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, and you don't have to invest in a bunch of clothes. Like get like, especially like Walmart stuff, just get like a tech shirt as a base layer and you can build off of that easy. Um, yeah, go get, go find a race and do something and go outside. And it's, if nothing else, it's great to just clear your head, um, and get a little time away from people. Jeff, what have we forgotten? Uh, I do want to thank my family for being out there real quick. Um, they, Like I said, 17 hours. They're probably closer to 18 to 20 hours out there. Um, so it was huge for them to be out there. All my friends that were out there, um, you know, Amy stuck around and watched me finish. Um, you know, it was it was great to have my family there. And every age station, they were there. You know, my kids were there. They, they ended up getting up cut out of my head and have it on a stick. I saw that. So, yeah. So, um, like a, you know, so like I, a fat I head. yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. You guys got one somewhere around here. Yeah. You and Aaron Dickens, man. Dickens got one too. Yeah, I, well, I didn't know she got it and it was the, the second aid station and there she stands. So I'm rolling when it comes in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I got, I got to thank them. Um, so, you know, other than that, I mean, it was just, like, like Zach said, just get out and do it. You know, get outside. I, I don't care if you go walk for twenty minutes. And you know, running isn't running isn't everybody's thing. But my big thing is just find your passion. You know, whatever that is. I mean, that's what I try my hardest. You know, I'm not big on social media, but I try to put that out there that anybody can go do these things if you just put yourself to it. And and 
it, it doesn't have to be running. It can be biking or it can be walking or whatever. Just, you know, just go do it so that you're outside doing something. Create an activity. Yeah. Anything. Any, any, yeah. Yeah. Just go do it. Be passionate about something. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's knitting, you know, go be passionate about something, you know, cause you can do it. You know, I, I guess that's my biggest thing is, yeah, I went out and did 17 hours on this trail, but the, the biggest thing is, I just set my mind to it and I did it and everybody can do that. I'm just a normal guy with, with two kids and an exchange student and a full-time job. You know, it's, you can do it, you know, but that's my biggest thing. Um, also real quick, I am getting a belt made for my buckle and I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, rustic edge leather. She's from Montana. She got it. She shipped it out today. So, um, that's spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about that. I was kind of down about the buckle because, you know, I didn't hit my goal and then, found her to get me a belt. So I'm pretty excited. About it you. looks so robust. Too. Yeah. yeah. There, it, there is a lot to be proud of in that. Yeah. So, and I think at every, every day and month that goes by, you're going to appreciate it more. Yeah. And I, I, it really, the more, the more I get into it, like last week when Dakota asked me, I was like, it's not going to be a good show. I'm not going to be happy. Go lucky Jeff that just got third at Discovia. You know, this yeah. is going to be, I just beat myself up for almost 17 hours and I'm pretty down, you know, but it's coming around, you know, it's coming around to where I realized I fought pretty hard to get, where I where I was at the finish. So, noted patron John Phillips says that he's going to be doing a lot of walking very soon, and if anybody wants to get some walking in with them, he's going to have some opportunities. Uh, going sit door to door in the city council race. <laughs> that passion, see, <laughs> he's found his passion. That's, That's right. it, Dakota. What do we know? Um, I wanted to say the, uh, uh, this quote that I think of a lot, um, and I told it to Jeff uh, last week when we were talking about this show. And I attribute it to Les Stroud, who's Survivor Man. Um, and I'm 99% sure that's who it was, but I might be wrong. And it wasn't him, it was Mark Twain. He, he always said that there are two kinds of fun. There's the fun that you get when you ride a roller coaster, and then there's the fun that is fun to talk about around the campfire later. But it sucks in the moment. But no one ever remembers the times that they rode the roller coaster. They only remember and tell the stories of the things that sucked. So the second kind of fun. And I think that like, that's kind of what, what you've had with this. Um, Everybody kind of needs that reminder sometimes when they're walking through life and something really sucks that happens to them, but they have to just do it. And then they realize it's one of those things later. They might be sitting around with their family at Thanksgiving and go and remember when, so I always I try to remind myself of that a lot of times, and that with my job that and working in all kinds of inclement weather and things happens a lot. Where we'll be sitting around and going, "Remember when it was minus thirty degrees on Christmas, and we were all working and our beards froze? You know, it sucked. But now it's a lot of fun to talk about." It's like Zach said. He he can't remember one race that he he can't remember one race that he felt good the whole race. But he can tell you he can he can tell you every street corner of races that were bad. You know, so, Columbus. Yeah, yeah, yeah Columbus. Columbus. There you go. <laughs> Never forget it. <laughs> I, I at this point I'm convinced that Zach can tell you the license plate number of every car that he ran by. Uh, he is the most observant. Oh, I I'll <laughs> the tell you most what. observant. I'll tell you person. what. I'm pretty sure I'm going to witness a crime at some point. <laughs> so I'll be. You are going I to be want well prepared. It's listening to know if you see me and take me out. You better make sure I don't. I, I have like you're going to have to kill Zach too. I will give a detailed. <laughs> I will give a detailed description of your vehicle. 
would down to the license plate. And he yeah. would probably have taken pictures just because he was di- he was doing I don't that carry anyway. A phone with me when I run, but yeah, <laughs> I've, I've I pay attention to a lot of stuff. I did just did, like I've, I don't think Mitch on the show, but I've been harassing uh, the subcontractor for uh, Dakota's employer, and apparently they said that they fixed five traffic li- or five street lamps that I reported out that I all see while I'm running. <laughs> that's one of my that's one of my pet projects. I got f- like five different emails today, so yeah, that's my thing to do. But yeah, well done. Uh, 113 days from today, track oh. president Doug Poles told me that the speedway opens. Because there was there was a guy on Twitter who's been counting down to how many days until the Indy 500, and I, I tweeted yeah. back and I said, "Stop counting that down." It's like Chris Galt. 113 yeah. days until the till it opens. Yeah, don't skip to the race, man. It's the month of May. Uh, this week, Takuma Sato. Speaking of mottos, no attack, no chance is his motto. Uh, and it's literally he's he will sell, sell sell himself out. Two Indy 500 wins so far with two different teams. He got announced with Chip Ganassi Racing. He's going to team with Alex Pillow, kind of scary, yeah. That's Scott Dixon, and Marcus Erickson. So three Indy 500 winners and a guy that finished second and is a series champion. That is a murderer's row lineup coming into the Indy 500. 113 days away. And because I forced this on everybody, Stingray Rob, the ultimate name is going to do the full IndyCar series. I've ridden in a car with Stingray Rob. He almost spun a Camaro out with me in the passenger seat in July. Think you could get him on the podcast? I don't know. He's a super nice guy. He's named after the car. He's named after a car. Unfortunately, he's driving for a Honda. <laughs> he's going to be in a Honda. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was interesting. So, yeah, there's so, lots of fun stuff happening in the racing. Club. So we've got a new favorite, a new, uh, a new uh, two drivers, Dakota, both born September of 2001 on the same team. 21-year-old Stingray Rob and David Malukas, three weeks apart. What were you doing on 9-11? They were being born, and now they're going to run the Indy 500. <laughs> All right. With that, we say thank you guys very much. We'll be back next Thursday night. And uh, I think we're going to talk about uh, millennial quiet quitting, maybe. We'll see. We'll see you then. <laughs>